Welcome to Goodwin Law Unplugged, Florida Real Estate and More. This podcast features candid insight from real estate industry professionals from all sectors. Your host, attorney Matthew Goodwin, a native Floridian and experienced real estate attorney, will provide his personal insight on legal matters and feature other professionals offering their candid advice. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, seasoned investor, or experienced real estate agent, there is something for everyone. Thanks for joining us on Goodwin Law Unplugged. Well, welcome back, listeners and viewers. Charlie McDermott, producer of the show, co-hosting today with none other than Matt Goodwin. Matt, how the heck you doing? I'm good, Charlie. How you doing this morning? Doing terrific. You enjoying the hot summer? I as much as you can enjoy the heat, I am sure it's uh, I went on a bike ride last night and I looked at, at the humidity. It was 91 <laughs> oh, percent. That's probably the highest I've seen it in a while. But we're expecting record heat this week in southwest Florida. You know, that reminds me I was actually, I actually had to get out of bed twice last month or last month, last night uh, to get rid of cramps in my legs because of dehydration. So uh, a, a health alert, everyone listening to this in the summer months, actually any month. Uh, yeah. Make sure you get your fluids in you. And it's got to be something other than alcohol, by the way. But anyway, I digress. Um, so you've been obviously busy as always, but uh, you recently did a, uh, a, a training, a seminar for the Naples, I guess, NABAR, right? For Yeah, a- Naples Area oh. Board of Realtors. Yeah, Naples Board of Realtors. Yeah, so, I uh, presented on this new law that yeah. is very controversial and is currently being challenged, but it's a Florida law under Senate Bill 264 that restricts uh, the relevant portions of the law for this restrict certain foreign ownership of real estate. And today I'd like to talk about what the real estate professional needs to know about this law. There was a lot of interest, a lot of questions, a lot of skepticism, and um, you'll see a lot of content online starting to come about with this new law. I'm going to give you a brief overview, some of the key terms, the countries that are affected and uh, the types of land that's infected and give you a few questions to consider that um, you may be wondering about. All right. Now, I know you did this live just the other day um, and it was, it was like if, if they were selling tickets, it would have been sold out. But a lot of realtors maybe weren't even aware of this uh, and, and obviously couldn't get on. Uh, what are your thoughts about doing a redo of this uh, in the future? I'm happy to do it. I, I thought about it because um, there's still questions that actually can't be answered. And one of the key things we're waiting on is FREC, which is the Florida Real Estate Commission charged with enforcing ethics and and it's a self-governing regulation for the Florida Real Estate Association. Um, They're they're charged with creating this affidavit so everyone can comply with the new law, including buyers, sellers, realtors, um, and then our underwriters, uh, our real estate attorneys and title companies underwriters have given us various forms of the affidavit. So there's a lot of different information out there right now. And I'd like to update everyone once we have most, if not all the answers to those questions that I got. And then also the the materials have been released by Freck. More guidance. Okay. Okay. That sounds awesome. So fill us in, give us a uh, kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of what's going on with this law. Effective July 1st of this year, Florida law prohibits the purchase of certain types of uh, Florida real estate by 
what they define foreign principles from foreign countries of concern. And the violation of that law re can result in criminal penalties um, and also escheating of property to the state um, if the person purchases it and they weren't supposed to. So I'm going to start by telling you the countries of concern. Uh, you have the People's Republic of China, Russian Federation, Islamic Republic of Iran, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Republic of Cuba, Venezuelan regime of Nicolas Maduro, and the Syrian Arab Republic. Okay. So for people that may have gotten lost in all that, China, Russia, Iran, Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, and Syria. One of the, so, so we have the countries established and then we have this term of foreign principle. And here's how the law defines a foreign principle. A person domiciled whose permanent residence is in a foreign country of concern and is not a U.S. citizen or lawful permanent U.S. resident. And that's something I, I'll probably repeat because there's some confusion on who the foreign principles are, and that's who it applies to. So uh, it also applies to a company having its principal place of business organized under the laws of one of those foreign countries of concern or a company having its principal place of business in a foreign country of concern. So either the place of business is in that foreign country or the principal place of business or organized under the laws of that foreign country. And then finally, the government or any official of the government of a foreign country of concern. So what I just described to you is what it included in the definition of a foreign principle. So you have individuals, entities, and government and government officials of those countries. Okay. Okay. Now, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll ask my questions so, once you get through so it. So the types of properties are agricultural land, land within 10 miles of a military installation, and land within 10 miles of a critical infrastructure facility. And I'll talk about how broad those definitions are in this podcast to give you an idea, because there's also a lot of confusion there. Okay. So uh, qu a quick question. I mean, I've heard recently a, a lot of news about China buying up a lot of farmland. Uh, and, you know, the, the concern about some of that land being near certain military established, uh, you know, uh, uh, or even nuclear sites. Uh, is that kind of the origination of this law or? Well, I'll tell you, I'll answer that question, Charlie, the same way I answered it with the realtors yesterday. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, based on the fact that that's happening and there's a concern and lately in the news, there's a specific concern from China I wouldn't put it past them that, that, that that's the reason. But the law is very controversial for obvious reasons. There's some Fair Housing Administration claims that it violates that, that it violates yeah. the Constitution of the U.S. And so there's a lot of issues here that I'm not going to go into today because, A, I don't have all the answers to. And B, um, it's very confusing <laughs> and controversial. And there's some finality that we're still waiting on with these challenges in court, you know, in two weeks from now, we could 
be talking about how the law was put on hold, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but right now it is the law. We can expect it to stick um, until there's a, uh, a valid and final ruling on it that, that says otherwise. So mm -hmm. we know what a foreign principle is. We know what a foreign country of concern is. Uh, one of the questions is, are all foreign principles treated equally and impacted the same by this new law? And the answer to that question is no. The law only applies to those associated with one of the foreign countries of concern. And I got this question yesterday, even though I was very careful at identifying these countries, because when people um, hear this, they think more broad. And actually, the, the law is perceived more broad than it actually is, in my opinion. But in some areas, they're more largely affected. And those are the areas that have land or a lot of agricultural land and land within 10 miles of these critical infrastructure facilities. And that's the most comprehensive. So there's not a lot of military installations around. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a lot of agricultural land in Florida, especially the central part of um, South and, and uh, Central Florida. But let's talk about this critical infrastructure facility. One of the most prominent ones is an airport. Mm. Everybody can identify and, and probably find where the airport is. So this law applies to land purchased by these foreign principals of these foreign country concern within 10 miles of an airport. Now it goes on to identify these other facilities, but it, it basically says any of the following, if it uses fences, barriers, or guard posts designed to exclude unauthorized persons. Here's some examples, chemical manufacturing facility, refinery, electric power plant, yeah. water treatment and wastewater treatment facilities, liquid nat natural gas um, terminals, including plants used in the processing treatment or fractionization of natural gas, a seaport, spaceport territory. If you look at Florida, Florida's got more of those than any other state, most likely. <laughs> And, and all, all, so granted, this is a Florida law. We are in Florida. There's a lot of statutes that were created because of this. I'm not going to go into all that uh, mm -hmm. because you start to get lost in translation. I'm going to give you what I think the real estate professional needs to know right now. If you go online, you can find full reports and workups of the law and the complete statute that it's based on. So Going back to this question, are all foreign principles treated equally impacted the same by this new law? The question is no, but Chinese companies and persons domiciled in the People's Republic of China who are not U.S. citizens or lawful permanent residents face more restrictions and heavier penalties than other foreign principles. So remember, foreign principles are those three things I said, the people domiciled there, the company having their principal place of business and the government, government officials. But the People's Republic of China has a special carve out. And um, there are exceptions, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give you an example. 
of one of those exceptions right now. They're very limited. One significant exception allows a natural person to purchase one residential property up to two acres in size. And another exception applies to property being acquired for diplomatic purposes as recognized by the federal government. Okay. So going back to um, this exception itself, it, all of these conditions have to apply. One, it's limited to two acres in size. Two, properties not located within five miles of a military installation. So it still has to be more than five miles away from military installation. A, uh, three, the person has a U.S. visa that's not limited to tourism or official documentation confirming that the person's been granted asylum in the U.S. And four, the purchase has to be in the name of the person who holds the visa or this official documentation. So picture the person that is relocating here. They have their U.S. citizenship or they have a, an authorized reason to be here under this law. They can buy a house or a property up to two acres in size if it's if they're going to live in it. Mm -hmm. And this, I, I think, is a really good exception, considering all the other provisions of the law that are restrictions, because um, some people want to move here and make their life here. And I don't think this law prohibits that. Yeah. This is prohibiting non-U.S. citizens or people that aren't legally here from these countries of concern. So another, um, a, a couple other countries I got questions on, uh, well, Venezuela was one of them. So does this new law prohibit all Venezuelan and Russian nationals from purchasing Florida real estate after this date of July 1st? No, there's no limitation on foreign principles except Chinese nationals and entities. Okay. So long as it's not agricultural land or land within 10 miles of a military installation or a critical infrastructure facility. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, there's a lot to learn here for uh, for realtors, and the fact that it it almost seems like the, it, I mean, in your professional opinion, is this kind of like a, a knee jerk reaction? Like we woke up woke up one day and said, "Oh my goodness, uh, there's something going on here. We need to, you know, protect the state, the country." Um, or has this been in the works for years and it's finally come out? I don't know the complete legislative history of it, yeah. but it was introduced into the Senate um, and the House this year. Yeah. And um, for those of us that don't follow all of the legislative history, it may seem as a knee jerk reaction. Um, but I, as far as what the realtors need to know to, to prevent having a knee-jerk reaction post-implementation of the law, you need to be educated mm -hmm. on it. You need to know what the penalties are, how to avoid them for you, people you work with, 
and how not to violate other laws trying to comply with this one, such as fair housing laws. You know, there's um, there's a lot of there's already a lot of contentious discrimination that's protected. And he, here's a few things that I think you need to know as a real estate professional to ensure that um, compliance. So one, consult with legal counsel. Advise the parties that you're working with to consult an attorney regarding how the law may impact their legal rights and responsibilities. Get this affidavit. So the uh, Florida Real Estate Commission is charged with implementing this law and creating the affidavit for compliance therewith, but they haven't released it yet. And this, the law requires the buyer to deliver at the time of purchase an affidavit attesting to the fact that the buyer is not a foreign principal or otherwise a foreign principal prohibited from making the purchase and is in compliance with the law. So the real estate professional needs to know that all of their buyers have to sign this affidavit. You don't have to try to figure out which country they're from, mm -hmm. whether they have U.S. citizenship. You just need to know that there's a new law. They have to sign this affidavit and there's other and there's there's legal implications if they don't. And by consulting the attorney, the attorney can answer those more pointed, more pointed questions if they're from one of these foreign countries of concern. But if they have U.S. citizenship, it, it doesn't apply. OK. Yeah, makes sense. So um, remember, that's where it gets it gets a little confusing because as a realtor, you don't want to go out in the field and spend hours or days or weeks or months even with someone who ends up not being able to purchase a property because they're not a U.S. citizen or don't otherwise qualify to buy that property. And I would say pay particular attention if you're in one of those areas where there's a lot of agricultural land. Hmm. So agricultural land, um, I think, and this is just going off on a little tangent, that you're going to see more of these areas converted to residential living as you continue to see people move down here. Yeah. If you go through the middle of the state where all the orange groves are, orange trees, mm -hmm. um, I, I go several times a year and pass through these areas and all I see is development going on around them. I think there's only a matter of time until they get better at growing oranges in smaller areas, smaller um, geographic size of plants, yeah. and they start selling off that land, right? Is it, is it yeah. going to be rezoned? I don't know. But there's so many pockets of places in Florida yeah. to be aware of that qualify as agricultural land. But everybody who buys in Florida is going to have to sign this affidavit that they're uh, in compliance with the law, not otherwise um, impacting it. So your job as a realtor is to disclose, make sure the buyer and the seller are aware of the new law. We have a disclosure. Many law firms and title companies have a, dis a disclosure that breaks it down. We get that sign when the contract comes in our office. And then the Florida Realtors, Florida Bar, the FAR Bar contract already has a provision on it with that disclosure right above the signature lines. 
and um, the Naples Area Board of Realtors is doing the same thing as we speak. We're implementing that into to our local agency contract. Okay. All right. So to just uh, in case someone jumped in here midstream, you are going to provide, or at least you're looking at providing another in-depth training on this law. And, and because it's a fluid, a fluid situation right now, uh, even those who attended the first one should probably attend this next one because you're going to have updates on the progression of this law. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. The board is having two other speakers in the next two weeks, but I'd like to take into account the questions that come up, find answers to them, reintroduce this with those questions so you can really take away something tangible other than knowing what the law is and more along the lines of being able to apply it to real life scenarios. And also would like to have that affidavit by Freck available. So uh, I'm not just saying get this affidavit. You know, yeah. one of the questions was, hey, can, can you I've already gotten emails asking if I would send somebody the affidavit to sign, but I'm not at liberty and, and would be doing a disservice of sending an affidavit that we use in-house to somebody that's out in the field because then I'm going to be the one that gets the questions and then the broker of that agent might also take issue with it. So yeah. it's a fine line that everybody's walking right now and it's, it, it has stirred up the real estate professionals. So we, do, we issue title insurance when we close a transaction. From our vantage point, we're not, it's not a title issue if we don't have this affidavit signed. But we don't want a transaction that we insured to be voided. And our underwriters are requiring us to make sure the buyers we work with who are insuring title two are in compliance. Yeah. And the realtors need to know that they're not charged with getting this affidavit. It's just the best point to have it. So you're going to see different approaches to this on how these disclosures are made. That's why Farbar, I think, put it on their sales contract, because if it, if nothing else happens prior to that, they know at the time that they sign that contract. Now, let's talk just for a moment about pending contracts. Let's say you went in under contract before July 1st and then um, the property is going to close later in the year, maybe next month, maybe even even later. Those um, contracts can be voided without penalties to the buyer if it finds out that they are a foreign principal from a foreign country of concern. But going back to um, another situation where let's say they already own property. So the foreign principal may continue to own, let's use agricultural land, for example, if they owned it before July 1st, but they have to register with the state. And there are some other exceptions. I mean, if you want, I can tell you these two, those right now. Uh, one is they, this is for agricultural land. They can acquire this agricultural land after July 1st by devise or dissent. So they didn't ask for it or pay for it. They inherited it through enforcement of a security interest. Let's say they have a mortgage on it 
and they're owed money from that mortgage, but they have to foreclose and they get title to the property in lieu of foreclosure or through the foreclosure process, or they're collecting a debt. So there's a lien that they have on it and um, it needs to be enforced and they need to foreclose on it through that process or, or collect on that lien. They, so those, those exceptions apply if they acquire this interest through these means after the law's in effect, but they must sell it within three years after acquisition. And personally, I think three years is long enough because um, foreclosures don't usually take that long. There were some that took that long just to even get started when they were really, um, when there was a high volume of them during the 2008, 2009 times. Hmm. Yeah. But what other questions come to mind? I, I, you know, I could, I could probably talk about this for an hour. We'll save it for a more in-depth. Yeah. Um, anything else that comes to mind? You know, um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the, I think the, the full blown seminar that you're looking at, plus the laws further on down the road, and then the ability, I'm assuming you're going to open it up at the end with a Q&A session to answer questions. Well, my goal is to make sure everyone's informed. I'm going to yeah. survey the people that we work with, you know, uh, meet with the, the people that are presenting on it. And as a state, most of us professionals are going to be coming together. So what I'd like to do is do an update once we have the update. There's a challenge to the law in, in um, federal court. There's um, this affidavit that doesn't exist yet. And there's questions that haven't been able to be answered yet because of those things. So I'd like to wait until that comes about. But if you'd like to be notified of news, just go to our website, uh, glpa.law glpa.law and just click sign up for the, the newsletter and we'll make sure that you get all the updates as they come out for this law and our anything else that that we send out oh terrific well matt uh, thanks for sharing and uh really digging into this uh, better you than me <laughs> um, as always, I'm impressed. I know your listeners really appreciate it as well. So uh, until the next episode, uh, keep enjoying the hot summer and we'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. Good talking to you, Charlie. Thanks for listening to Goodwin Law Unplugged. To learn more about Goodwin Law and to utilize our services, visit GoodwinEstateLaw.com or call 239-207-3403. Hablamos Espanol. To submit questions or be a guest on a future episode, message us on our website or on social media by searching for Goodwin Law PA in Naples, Florida. This has been Goodwin Law Unplugged. Thanks again for joining us.